change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podskewee. I'm Josh Smith. I'm Mike Graham. Mike, a loaded show today. Free agency kicked off on Tuesday, and we have a ton of player signings, whether it be the Ticats, whether it be the league in general. Just a whole heck of a lot of stuff happened. But we have to start with what I think is kind of funny. Um, I pissed off Mike Jones this week uh, by saying, I think it started with my piece on 3Down where I said, Actually, no, I think it started in a tweet after the Ticats signed Lamar Durant. Oh, this goes back years, John. Well, I mean, I mean, according to Mike Jones, it does. I didn't realize he, uh, he was a, a follower. Um, yeah. But I said that with Lamar Durant signing, he could be the first impact Canadian receiver the Ticats have had since Andy Fantuz. And I said, oh, <laughs> Mike Jones' season, where he had like 800-something yards, doesn't really count. And he got word of it. And spent, I don't remember if it was Monday. I think it was, it must have been, yeah, it was Monday. It had to be Monday because Tuesday was the day Freeze opened. But most of Monday morning and afternoon, all of my mentions show me pictures of stuff and mad that we call him hashtag MFMJ. And I just like, for the record, that was both a good and bad thing. Like, when he did something good, we would use that. When he did something bad, we would use because he was so up and down like he would make an amazing 85 yard touchdown and then the very next time he gets the ball thrown to him it hits him on the face you know what i mean like he was just so frustrating to watch and i stand by my my claim i i'm curious to get your opinion he's not an impact player i don't think that's a terrible hot take i think he's a fine receiver worthy of being on a team but he's not someone teams are game planning against am i crazy to think that no not at all i mean he's a He's a fifth guy, right, in that receiving yeah. core. Um, and he put up really good numbers for a fifth guy that one year when he, you know, 700, 800 yards. I mean, that was impressive, but um, he's not an impact guy like Fantuz was. That's that's for sure. You know, you're not putting Mike Jones in the slot. No, and, and the thing is, too, like, yes, he had that one great season, but it's all about being consistent. And how many guys have we seen come up here and have one, even two phenomenal years and then completely disappear? Like, do, does the uh, Ticat fans, this will, this will ring a bell. Do I remember Prechet Rodriguez? Mm-hmm. Outstanding rookie season. Never came close to repeating that success. You know what I mean? Like, there and, and if you look at the history of the league, there are guys who come up here and ball out for a season or two and then are never heard from again. Remember Corey Boyd, running back in Toronto? Mm-hmm. Led the league in rushing and then got cut, like, midway through the next year because he couldn't run, like, or pass block? Like, guys can come up to the CFL and have long careers. Like, Mike Jones probably going to have, because he's Canadian, probably going to have a fairly long career. 
but he's not an impact player. But he took offense to some of the things I said about him. Um, I stand by my criticism. I stand by the hashtag. I think it's funny. Um, I don't know. It's uh, I I I don't want to get into beef with players. Ricky Foley's the only player that I don't respect, and will have no problems calling him a goof. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fight. I'm not. I'm not in the game to fight with players. Like he has his no. opinion. He. I have my opinion. I think we should just leave it at that. I just thought it was kind of funny that this whole thing kind of blew up. In my opinion, kind of out of nowhere. And mm-hmm. g- given the fact that you and I on the show and and me and Marini have have been up and down on Mike Jones, it felt like this was such a weird time for. Maybe he just, <laughs> he just finally got to him and he had to say something. Yeah. I don't know. He just had enough, Josh. Maybe enough of our our BS. Maybe um, maybe. Well, but you know. We poked fun at him um, when he was with the Thai Cats, but we also threw praise at him when it was of course uh, when it was when it deserved. So yeah. I don't think we, you know, went after him maliciously or anything like that. It's just uh, I guess he you know took some of it the wrong way. Yeah, I don't think I've ever gone after a player. Ricky Foley being the exception, where I felt that it was personal. I think he's a scumbag, so I have no problems giving him the business. But everyone else, it's always just what they do between the white lines. That's that's all I kind of care about. Um, with that out of the way, there's one more thing we got to touch on. Did you see James Wilder Jr.'s tweet this morning? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is Mike Jones. If if I, I am to Mike Jones, like you are to James Wilder Jr. It feels like he's the, your like lead heel. Like he's yeah. the one guy who he does and says stuff, and you're just like you want to go at him. Like, I, and again, much like with Mike Jones, it's not like personal. It's just James Wilder Jr. puts his foot in his mouth a lot, does he not? I think so. I mean, you know, most of Twitter doesn't. They seem to, you know, most of Twitter just kisses every player's ass. Um, but you know, and and that's fine. But I just think he says some ridiculous, ridiculous things. Like, okay, if you want to be a lot, go for it. Like, we don't care, James. Like, be a linebacker. Go ahead. Be a running back. Who who gives a damn? Um, but, so, like, it's just outrageous, like, that he thinks he can be better than everyone else at linebacker. Like, it's just crazy. He can dominate at linebacker, I believe, was the thing he said. Yeah. He doesn't dominate at running back, and that's a position he's been playing his entire life. Like, what makes mm. him believe? And, uh, look, have all the self-confidence in the world, but what the hell makes him believe that he can dominate a position that he's outside of maybe playing it. Cause you know, when you're a kid, you kind of play, if you're the best athlete, I assume he was the best athlete on his team and like little league football, you know what I mean? Like pop Warner football, his dad played in the NFL. So I'm sure he was like the star player and guys who make it to the pros are usually start the best players on their team. He probably hasn't played any defense since then. It's not like he played it. He's never played it in the pros. Obviously he was a running back at Florida state in college. So he didn't play it there. And he, he thinks that he can at 30 something years old, having never played the position, become the best. Like, you're not the best at your position. Yeah, just because you're big and strong and tall and have a good, um, you know, a long arm you know, length or whatever, doesn't mean that you can just switch positions and then be a dominant force. It's it's craziness. Like, uh, James, James, James. Silly man. Well, you know, man. you know what, though? Who's the head coach in Edmonton? Yeah, that's a good point. What does you he like know, to do right? with his star offensive players? I mean, yeah. maybe we'll see him at linebacker this season. I mean, if if he's going to switch positions, um, being on a Chris Jones team is your is your best bet for sure. Yeah, I mean, so maybe we'll see him at linebacker. Maybe suiting up for the. I mean, he's not that year. good at running back, so maybe we'll. <laughs> no, he's pretty. Good. He's pretty good. He's a good running back. Okay, if he's, I think if he's used right, 
if he has a really good off. I mean, we saw it last year. He was, I mean, he wasn't dominant. He wasn't the best at his position, but um, he did pretty good for on a crappy team like the Elks were last year. So um, I think he can be one of the best running backs in the league if he has a proper offensive line. But um, linebacker, uh, I'm not sure about that. And you know what? To prove that we are dripping in objectivity, you said that he would lead the league in rushing last year. Like I did. So the things we say, it it's just we ooze objectivity on this show. Even if we don't like someone or think he's a, a dingbat, we'll still mm-hmm. give him praise when he does something well. And I mean, it, maybe he can lead the league in rushing and, and prove me wrong that he's not. Because I, I, outside of the first season he played with the Argos, I haven't really seen much from him and every time I get to see him in person you know Simone Lawrence makes him his, his son so mm-hmm. I mean Simone's probably the best linebacker in the league is it you think that might now nah, I'm just thinking about it. you think that might be because those guys have a feud like it's it's Hulk Hogan Bobby Heenan between these two guys like you think that may be where this is coming from he's like well Simone's the best and I don't like him so and I so I'm just you know what I mean like he didn't say Defensive end. He didn't say safety. No. He said linebacker. I, <laughs> my yeah. conspiracy well, maybe, brain is thinking maybe this was meant to be a shot at Simone. Uh, it, it's quite possible. Maybe it was like uh, maybe he didn't even mean to take the shot, but like he just you know what's the word? Um, Inadvertently. Just, yeah, there you go. There's that word. See, this is why I need you, Josh. <laughs> you, have, you have the words, and I don't have the words. <laughs> Um, Which is great yeah, for for something where you do speaking. It's great that you don't have words in the speaking realm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, maybe that's the case. I mean, they did have that incident last season uh, when they played, and um, unfortunately, I didn't see it, and I was at the game, but um, I heard about it, and uh, yeah, there is a feud there, and yeah, you love to build up that kind of stuff. So we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe when they play next year, they'll be beacon back. Well, I'm pretty positive they'll be peeking back and oh, forth, for sure no matter what for sure for sure all right fun stuff out of the way let's talk about well i guess this is more fun stuff it's this it's is gonna be a fun too. show there's not there I, there's some negatives this week but i don't think there's a whole heck of a lot um I'll before we down don't you worry <laughs> before we get to uh the free agency because that's obviously the big story the ticats did announce their coaching staff not much to to look at here uh, a couple of things though we knew that Jeff Reinbold wasn't coming back. He had signed with the Alouettes. Craig Butler, former all-star player with the Ticats and the Rough Riders, has is been named the new special teams coordinator. He was an assistant with the team for a number of years. And uh, former Ticat defensive back Joaquin Bradley has been brought in as the team's defensive backs coach. So there's a couple of uh, old players coming back into the fold. Well, I guess Butler was already here. But what do you think about Butler getting elevated to special teams coordinator? Do you think that's a good choice? Well, he's been with the team like you said, as an assistant for a couple of years now, and I'm sure he's learned a lot from Jeff Reinbold. So um, I, I, I am, I'm happy for him, and I think that uh, I have nothing to base it on, but I think he'll do a fine job. Yeah, I wonder if getting someone new will get some new ideas. Like, I know there's not a lot you can do on special teams, but he's been working under Reinbold for a number of years. I think 2017 was the year he was... I think he was. I think well, he became a coach as soon as he kind of retired from football, which I think was 2016. Was his last year? So soon he goes from that right to the right to the sidelines as a coach, and has been with the special teams unit. And I wonder he's learned stuff from Reinbold. Obviously, he's going to have some stuff to do on his own. I do wonder if maybe not that the Ticat special teams got stale. I think you know losing a guy like Jeff Reinbold, he's the best special teams coordinator in the game, in, in my opinion. So losing him kind of stings. But I do wonder if bringing someone new in will allow them, because he'll take some of the stuff Reinbold did, but he'll also have his own ideas as well, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's always, you know, not always a good thing, but uh, it's nice to get some, you know, fresh blood in there and some new ideas. You see, I mean, you see it in the NFL with coaching now. Like a lot of head coaches are really young, They're like like around our age, and that's young for for head coaches. So um, to get some young guys in, some new ideas, uh, I don't think it's a bad thing. And Joaquin Bradley as a DB coach, he was a pretty good DB when he played for the Cats mm-hmm. during some really terrible teams, and he was on the the teams that kind of started to turn it around in the late two thousands. So it's seeing him come back. Uh, I mean, he's been a coach apparently at. Uh, I think it was Waterloo, maybe. Yeah, I think it was Waterloo. So it's like he's he stayed in touch with the Canadian game. So uh, I wonder what he can kind of bring to the coaching staff. Again, just a new voice, and uh, we'll see what they can do. Yeah, is he Bradley's Canadian? No, or? he's not. He's American, but he stayed oh, coached he? in Canada. It's weird. Oh, that's cool. I mean, that that's what happens sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, guys, guys come up here, then they, they, they like Canada, and, and they stick around after football and make a – a career out of something else and yeah it's 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 a good thing you know players might might not want to come up here at first because their dreams are a little crushed for, uh, that they're not in the nfl but uh sometimes they they enjoy it and then they're they have their career set up after football so it's always a good thing to see yeah he had a seven-year career six of which was worth the tie cat so i mean it, it makes sense that he would he was a cfl guy so it makes sense that he would yeah. kind of stay up here but it, I, i'm with you though it is nice to see kind of those guys who who do come up here and maybe you know obviously probably a guy that never left the U.S. before he came to play for the Ticats mm-hmm. and then sets up roots here and uh, then we we'll we'll see what he can do. It's it's again fresh blood on the coaching staff. I don't think is ever a bad thing. Just like fresh blood in the player pool, I don't think is ever a bad thing. I think a lot of the reasons I think the Ticats might have underachieved last year was due to some staleness because it was looked at as oh look how good we were the last time we played. If we just keep everybody we can just go back and do the same thing where, you know, mm-hmm. other teams are trying to get better as we saw this week with all, with the number of signings, especially uh, over in Ottawa, um, BC and Edmonton teams are always trying to get better. And if you, I, I feel like there could be some staleness that sets in if you just kind of regurgitate the same stuff every single year. Yeah. Except for, you know, on the offensive line. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will get to that. So let's talk free agency, Mike. I figured we could start first with the guys that are coming back because there's one name of a returning veteran that absolutely floored me because we sat here a week ago with the news that Micah Johnson was signing with the Ticats and basically gave the eulogy for Ted Laurent's career with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And then, what was it, an hour or so before free agency opens, the news broke that he's re-signed? I was, I, I wrote it in three, I wrote in three down. This means the end. I've t- tweeted it. This means the end. We talked about it here. This is the end of Ted Laurent's time in Hamilton. The, the addition of Michael Johnson means Ted Laurent will not be a tie cat. Ted Laurent's still a tie cat. I, I don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm just totally and utterly shocked that this happened. <clears throat> yeah, same here. I mean, I just don't know what they're going to do with, I mean, they have Dylan Wynn. Uh, they signed Mika Johnson. And now that Ted Laurent's coming back, they're all defensive tackles. So like, uh, is there going to be a rotation? I mean, that would be a one hell of a rotation. That's my um, hope. My hope is that they're rotating him to keep them all fresh. Yeah. Because Johnson's been injured. Laurent's usually nicked up, even though I know he doesn't miss a ton of time. But he's, there's always seems to be some ailment he's dealing with. And Wynn did miss a couple of games last year. So the, if you can... Could you imagine rotating... Okay, right now on first down, it's Ted Laurent and... Micah Johnson, and then it's like, oh, okay, well, it's a passing down, so we're going to take out Teddy and bring in, like, you know what I mean, and bring in Dylan mm-hmm. Wynn. It's like, it's it's the most fearsome trio of interior defensive linemen I, I can remember, but it does leave a question mark as to who's playing the 
defensive end position. But to see, it, it's got to be a rotation thing, right? Like that. There, I don't. Yeah. I know that there's been some talk out there, and you kind you kind of posed it to me when we were talking about this earlier. But I've also seen it out there in like the Twitter sphere. Maybe moving Dylan Wynn to the end. I don't know if that's a good idea. I'm sure he could do it. He's a talented, dude. But I think his strength he's just so good. He's, he's so good so in the good interior that it, it, yeah, it feels like you'd be asking someone to do something that maybe they're would lessen their impact on the team. Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. So I, I just I just have to believe that it's going to be a rotation in the middle, um, especially since we signed a, a free agent a defensive end who should be the starter, I'm assuming. And we still have Julian Hauser, who is, is a great defensive end. So, I mean, we, we lost Davis, and we'll talk about um, all that stuff in a bit, but the defensive line looks pretty strong right now. Yeah, the the starter you're talking about is J.R. Tavai, who they signed away from the BC Lions. I'm not entirely sure. So my thinking is this. They have Mason Bennett, who can play on the end, and you have Ted Laurent, who can play on the inside. Obviously, it's like Laurent's on the field. I think Tavai comes on. Laurent's off the field. Bennett comes on. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's how you kind of make it work. Plus, look, the roster's obviously not finished yet. They're going to sign a plethora of of American and maybe even some Canadian free agents. There's a draft coming up. Like this team is not, this is not the fully formed roster that we see. Although I, did you tweet out that someone set up like what the roster kind of looks like now? I can't remember. Was that you? I saw it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did too. It was Adam uh, Stalker. He set up like a little, like uh, a depth mock chart. depth chart, right? Yeah. 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 It was, it was a pretty, it was pretty interesting. Cause it kind of gave you kind of an idea of where this team still has some things to do. And it's obvious it's the obvious spots that we're going to talk about in a second, but uh, to keep this kind of train going, they really loaded up in the secondary, which kind of surprised me. Um, They bring back Jamal roll. They add Richard Leonard back from Calgary. And then kind of out of nowhere, they bring Alden Darby who had agreed to an extension or agreed to a deal with Ottawa backed out of that deal to sign with Hamilton. They already re-signed Cariel Brooks. They already re-signed Tunde Adelike. I know it hasn't been written anywhere, but Siante Evans is is back. We know this because if you follow Braylon Addison on Twitter, he said he was changing his number to zero. Someone asked, does that mean Evans is gone? He goes, no, he's changing his number to number seven. If you go on the Ticats website, Siante Evans is on there. Numbers, you know what I mean? Like, So I don't know if this is something that the team just forgot to announce or if like you know, it just fell, fell under the cracks or what's going on. But Siante Evans is clearly back. That is a lot. Plus, you throw in Cam Kelly, who was the team Sam linebacker, which is also where Darby can play. That's mm-hmm. a lot of talent to rotate in and out of the secondary. Someone who's really, really good isn't going to be able to start. Yeah, it's just so much talent in the, in the secondary and the linebackers. I mean, Cam Kelly was really good in that position, I thought, last year. I mean, he had two interceptions in the Grey Cup. Might have um, been Grey Cup MVP if the Ticats would have pulled that out. Yeah, I was just going to say that. And, like, it's just... I don't know where all these guys are going to fit in. Mm-hmm. Like there's and I'm not complaining about it. I mean, I th- I think I think it's great that we have the defense that we have right now, but it's just like there's just so much there's so many of them that I don't know and they're all starters. Like I yeah. don't, I don't know how they're going to how they're going to work this out, but if I had to guess, you got roll at boundary corner, you got Brooks at boundary half. Yeah. You throw Adela Kay's the safety. You got to have Evans at uh, field half. Leonard, maybe, at field corner. And then that leaves you with Darby and Kelly fighting it out for the Sam. Because 
Darby or Darby Allen. I was called Darby Allen. Um, <laughs> Alden Darby has experience. He was he was the same linebacker for the Bombers last year, so he can play there. But the reason you play Cam Kelly is because he's still on a rookie contract, so you get you know what I like. Mm-hmm. Th- there's someone. There's an odd man out here. There has to be. That just the numbers don't add up to there being any any other solution other than either one of these guys isn't going to make the team or one of these guys is going to go from starter to backup. And I don't think to me it feels like it'd be Kelly. Even as good as he was last year, you don't sign all these free agents and re-sign these guys to likely larger contracts and leave the guy making the least on the field. It just that's just the way the math works to me. Yeah, and I think I saw some uh, Cam Kelly tweet something out like right after um, Darby Allen. <laughs> I'm going to call him that so much. Alden it's, Darby, right? Alden Darby, yeah. I'm going to call him Darby, Darby Allen. Sorry. It's yeah. uh, it's going to – people are going to get so know, annoyed. and not have anything to do with it, but I thought it, he just like tweeted the eyes, the, the, the eyes gif mm. or whatever. It's like maybe he's like, oh, what's going on here? I mean, that guy played the same position that I played, and I mm-hmm. played pretty good last year. So what the heck's going on? But I guess competition is always a good thing. Yeah, and I mean, just because you're signed doesn't mean you make the team, right? Like, how many yeah. free agents get get cut in training camp because someone younger and cheaper beats them out for a job? Happens but they every are year. really loading up on the defensive side of the ball. Just... Yeah, they really are. I don't think that's a bad thing, but I... It, no. Is it... No, I mean, the CFL is a defensive league now. That's mm-hmm. what it is. It's mm-hmm. defense, defense, defense. Yeah, I uh, agree with don't... you. So, yeah, that's just the way that the... The game is going in Canada. But it wasn't all defense. They did re-sign Malik Irons and Sean Thomas Arlington. I was shocked by those two coming back. I figured mm-hmm. at least one of them would get a starting spot somewhere. I thought Malik Irons, especially after Michael Riley's retirement, Nathan Rourke being elevated to the to the starting quarterback position in BC. Malik Irons was his running back in college. I thought that made all the sense in the world. And Sean Thomas Arlington, I figured because Don Jackson's back, Sean Thomas Arlington has had a ton, well, maybe not a ton because he got hurt, but he's was the starting running back for this team a couple of years ago at the start of the season and was looked tremendous. Didn't have a great 2021, but I don't think he played, you know, like he wasn't given that featured role that he was in 2019. I thought these guys could have probably gone somewhere else. So to get back some depth Canadians behind a guy like Don Jackson, who as good as he is, is a little injury prone. I think that's fair to say. He's missed a ton of time his last couple of seasons. Um, I think that's that's some good depth signing there. So it was it was nice to bring those guys back, and they did add an offensive lineman. So I mean, calm your tits there, Mike. They brought someone in, Alex Fontana <laughs> from the did. Ottawa Red Blacks. Yeah, Alex Fontana. Not not the guy you're looking for. You wanted a left tackle, but they lost yeah. Darius Sirocco to Ottawa. They steal Ottawa center and bring him to Hamilton. I I mm-hmm. guess it was almost like it was a trade. A center that uh, hasn't played for two years. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't play in 2021. Yeah, we don't have to bring that up, do we? So he missed 2020. Yep. Obviously, everyone did. He missed 2021. So, yep. I mean, the excuse last year for everyone was that, you know, all the players missed a year. This guy hasn't played in two years. He's, he's going to go out there with, like, a basketball jersey on. He doesn't <laughs> even know what sport he's playing. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. You're a little – you're nervous about that one? I mean, he hasn't played in two years, so he's he's obviously trash. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Oh, good lord! Are we gonna say the same thing about Delvin Bro then? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, all right. I guess Lions. So. All right. Yeah. All right. I just wasn't. Uh, <laughs> no, I, no, I'm just kidding. No, I know I, you are. He was a good player when he was playing. I do have a little bit of a question mark because he's been off for so many years, um, but I'm sure he'll prove me wrong. So and, I'm glad they brought in a center 
you know, that had some experience. And it does reiterate the fact that this team's going to be going with four Canadians along the offensive line. I think that's now a given. You don't bring you you know Revenberg's going to play. You know Van Zyl's going to play. Coulter Woodmansey was the top pick in 2020. He started at at right guard last year, about halfway through the year. They bring back Kay Okafor. They bring back Jesse Gibbon. Those guys are developmental guys. But I thought maybe if if they lost a guy like Sirocco, which they did, and didn't replace him, they could still find a way to get those guys in there. But we're still absent a left tackle, and uh, that's that that's. That and kicker, as what seems to be the things we talk about every year. Those are the, mm-hmm. the two spots still with, with – and I guess now de- defensive end because we don't know who's going to replace Gear Davis. Would you put those right. as, as the three worry spots for you above everything else? Because everything else seems pretty solid. Yeah, everything else is I'm really happy with. Um, left tackle, I'm assuming he's going to be Warren Call. Yeah. That would be the guy. You saw um, the tweet and, about Riker Matthews, right? Yeah. Probably retiring. Unfortunately retiring. Yeah. Um, so at least, at least, hey, at least we we don't have to be like, oh man, they couldn't get Riker Matthews. No one's right. going to get him. So it's it's yeah. not the team's fault. Riker Matthews isn't here. No, definitely not. And you know, Vaughn Call wasn't that bad when he came in. I mean, he, he looked good compared to Okafor, but that's not saying much. Um, but I do think that he played well. Uh, so I'm not. I'm still worried about the offensive of course. line. I really, and am. I think it's fair to be. I, I think anyone that's giving you crap for it is is like it's always scary going in with an unknown. Mm-hmm. Until he yes. proves that he can be the guy, you're going to be concerned. It's, we've done it with kickers. How we did it with Sergio Castillo. We did it with Brett Maher. We did it with everyone. Every kicker this team's had. We did it with Liram Hirelahu. Every because he couldn't keep the ball in bounds on kickoffs. Like as good as these guys can be, if you um, until you're you know that they can do it, you're going to be a little concerned. I think that's fair. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. And, you know, I, I just, all I wanted was a left tackle that I, I knew that could play the position, that could protect Dane Evans, you know, our quarterback of the future. That's all I want. I just want a clean pocket for Dane Evans to do his thing. That's, that's all. And I'm sorry if I come across a little annoying or whatever <laughs> with my um, consistency on the offensive line worriedness, on the offensive line worry. But uh, let's just go down. I mean, Van Zyl's back, right tackle. He's kicking 40's door down. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, he's – I'm sure they wouldn't resign him if they didn't think he could do it anymore. So that that's a little bit of a concern. I know he's been an all-star for many, many years in this league, but he is almost 40. And at some um, point, you get old and you fall off. It's the, He yeah. was hurt last year too. I get it. Like, there are question marks in this offensive line. With, aside from Brandon Revenberg, I think that – and I'm, I'm a little less concerned about Vince Isle than you, but I, I'm, I agree with your, your premise here. There's concerns along the offensive line. And then you got Wood Manzi, um, mm-hmm. who's probably going to start at right guard. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't get a feel on him last year. I don't know how good he was or how bad he was. But obviously they're high on him. Um, Fontana at center. Left guard, Revenberg. Obviously he's he's a good, I mean, but maybe not. You know, he was he was voted a CFL All-Star. Or no, no. He was uh, the nomination for the best offensive line in the East. Mm-hmm. But then I saw all the players on Twitter saying that it's you know, crap that, you know, the the people that vote on it don't know what the hell they're doing and they voted the wrong people. So maybe he's crap too. Who knows? Um, and then you got Vaughn Call. He's a bit of a question mark too. So there's a lot of question marks going along this offensive line. And I'm, you know, if everyone's fine with it, that's, that's okay. You can think the way you want, obviously. But I will be concerned until I see them play. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I'm with you. 
I'm like as I think I think a little more highly of the guys than maybe you do, but I'm still. It's been. It's just tough when you see like what happened last year. Yeah, it's like you just you know especially start of the season going through the season, that offense was not good at like any point, and the the big problem was one of the big problems was the offensive line in my opinion. Um, so I just don't want that to happen again next year. The defense is stacked. The defense is solid. Now the offense needs to put up some points, and you can't do that if there's holes along the offensive line. So we will see. I could be completely wrong. This offensive line could be great, and I hope I am wrong. Yeah, but it's it's something we are going to be talking about into training camp, into the season, until we finally figure out, like, maybe Vaughn calls the guy. Maybe he's the next Stanley Bryant. Like, we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yep. of all the American yep. defense or, uh, offensive tackles that we've had, we didn't know who any of them were when they came into the league. But there's also been a number of guys that didn't make it. So you never know until you know. So I I think it's completely fair to to have questions about this offensive line. And if if people don't like hearing about it, well, they're not going to enjoy listening to us for the next few months because it's going to be something we're going to be probably hitting pretty hard. As especially yeah. with seeing how teams across the league have, there was a lot of movement this week, and the bad teams made a lot of moves to make themselves better. Um, the Ticats also lost a number of really good players. Um, we mentioned Delvin Bro, Jagarrett Davis officially went to uh, the Argos. Uh, Jalen Acklin went to Ottawa, uh, along with Darius Sirocco. You know, Jeremiah Mazzoli went as well. They lost f- In total, they lost five guys to the Red Blacks, which makes a lot of sense because of Sean Burke being there now. Of all the losses, I'll, I'll take Mazzoli out of it because we knew he was gone. As soon as they signed Dane Evans, we knew Mazzoli was gone. Outside of Jagarrett Davis, because that's obviously that's the big one, right? Like losing Jagarrett Davis, I can spin almost any of these losses as not a big deal. I can't with Jagarrett Davis. That's a huge loss. The mm-hmm. defensive line is it can still be good, but it won't be as good without him. And to lose him to that team, especially that that stings. I know he came out and said he, you know, he loved Hamilton, and he he's he's sad about making the fans upset. That's not going to stop him from getting his ass booed out of the building on Labor Day. Like he's he's a modern day Mike O'Shea, and I hope he's cool with being hated because Ticat fans have have long memories, and they're not going to like you, Garrett Davis anymore. But outside of him and outside of Mazzoli, do you look at any of these losses as really being that big? Because I don't. No, I'm with you on that, Josh. I mean, you can make an argument for Jalen Acklin, I suppose. Um, solid receiver. Uh, you know, I liked him when he was with the High Cats, but <clears throat> so many young guys stepped up last year that I don't think we're gonna miss his production. I he, just don't. You 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 lose him. Stephen Dunbar can go right into his spot at the uh-huh. boundary receiver position. Acklin never had. He had. I think he had six hundred. He led the team in receiving last year, and I know it was a shortened season, but he only had like six hundred and eighty yards or so receiving, and he played fourteen games. Dunbar played in twelve, and I I think he had like 30 or 40 fewer yards. Like Acklin had 700 and I know he wasn't the number one option because there was Braylon Addison and there was Brandon Banks. But in 2019, Acklin didn't put up big numbers there either. He was though for like, you know, the Banks and Addison were injured and he was like the number one guy for a a good stretch there. And he, he can be that guy, but I don't Mm -hmm. think this is the, oh my God, he's going to, this is like, people are making this out. Like when we lost Greg Ellingson. And I yeah. don't think Jalen Acklin is Greg Ellingson. Greg Ellingson was putting like Greg Ellingson dealt with injuries in Hamilton, but he was putting up 700 yards in eight games, and you could see mm-hmm. oh the talents there, but he couldn't stay healthy, and they chose Luke Tasker over him. 
it is what it is. And then Ellingson goes on to have his career. I don't think Jalen Ackle is going to be a guy that puts up 1,200 yards every year. And you know what I mean? Like, he's he, maybe he has a couple thousand yard season. And maybe he, but he's going to an Ottawa team that signed a ton of receivers. Like, they signed Darvin Adams and they signed, uh, who else did they They brought back RJ Harris. They signed Shaq Johnson. They signed Levi Noel. Like, there's BJ Cunningham signed there. Like, there's a lot of people to feed there. And I know Mazzoli's going to have a connection with him because of their time in Hamilton together, but I don't know. I A lot of people are freaking out about Acklin, and I'm not too concerned. And the Delvin Bro thing, as good as he is, and I'm not taking anything away from him, but he's 32. By the time he plays, it'll have been about 30 months since he last played a game. And losing Bro, did you count it as really a loss? Because he wasn't with the team last year. So we already dealt with playing without him. This is not like, oh my God, we're losing Delvin Bro. It's we just didn't re-add Delvin Bro, but the secondary I thought was tremendous without him last year. Yeah. I think in adding a guy like Alden Darby and keeping the guys that they have, I think the secondary is going to be just as good this year. I think BC's getting... And this is kind of where I'm falling with this. It's like simultaneously you can say great signing by the other team, not a huge loss for us. No, I agree. I mean, just it's just the fact that Bro is, you know, he's just so associated with the Hamilton Tiger Cats mm-hmm. and a fan favorite. It hurts the heart more than it hurts the reality the head. of it. Yeah, sorry. It hurts the heart more than hurts the head. I think. You know what I mean? Like there it's a go. it's a heart. It's like this is a guy that bled black and gold. You wanted to see. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like with Brandon Banks. When Brandon Banks eventually signs with someone else, it's not that it's like you understand the reason why he's not here, but it's still like, man, I just would have loved to him to stay here. Like, like mm-hmm. that. That's how you exactly. feel. Yes. Yes. And. But you're right. I, I just don't think it's necessary to bring him in. I mean, the the, the, the secondary is so strong right now. I, I mean, the the position that he played, I think, was cornerback uh, on the on the on the will side yep. of it. Um, and Jamal Roll plays that. So I mean, he's solid in that position. Ord Lawrence played it last year too, as well. Who we still have on the roster, I believe. So mm-hmm. this secondary is so strong. I just I just don't see a need to bring him in. Yeah, and that's why I kind of look at the losses outside of Davis. Davis is a loss. That is something you're not going to be able to replace him. There's replacements for every other player that they lost. They lose Jackson Bennett. He's a depth running back. We got two Canadian depth running backs. Uh, Lorenzo Malden, he's a depth defensive lineman. They're going to sign defensive American defensive linemen. They lost Jalen Marshall. They lost Jalen Acklin. They'll replace those guys. Jeremiah Mazzoli's already been replaced. And then um, Darius Sirocco is the other one. They replaced him with Alex Fontana. I personally, I'd prefer to have Sirocco because he played, but it's not. Again, they they have depth Canadians. They have guys like Gibbon and Okafor and Wood Manzi, and they're probably going to draft another offensive lineman in, in in the first or second round of the draft this year. Like the Ticats don't have a dearth of Canadian offensive linemen. They have a bunch of guys that at some point have to play. So you lose a guy like Sirocco, it sucks. But I don't think, like, people are making it out to be, like, a death blow. Like, I sent out a tweet that said this can be two things simultaneously. It can be a great signing for Ottawa and not a killer for the Ticats. People are like, are you out of your mind? It's like, no. You can find a replacement for him. Yes, you prefer to have him because he knows the system. He, he's been a starter since day one. But he's never been an all-star. He's, you know what I mean? Like, he's never been up for any award. You know what I mean? Like, he's not, it's not like you're losing the best offensive line, Canadian offensive lineman, or even maybe the best center in the East Division, let alone in the league. So yep. he, he can be replaced. Like I, and that's when I look at these losses, with the exception of Davis, these, to me, aren't... aren't. It's not like this team... I've seen some people say like they look at the roster now with all these losses and see a fourth-place team. I think the other teams in the East got better, 
But I don't necessarily think that means the Ticats got worse. Everyone's still chasing the Ticats for first place. They're the back-to-back East Division champions. I know the Argos won the division in the regular season, but the Ticats won the, went to the Grey Cup. This is still they, We are still the hunted. So mm-hmm. I look at the team, who they brought back, who they brought in. There's obviously going to still be some more stuff. I don't see this team as a last-place team. Do you? No. No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I was freaking out about the offensive line, and, and it's, I might have said some things, but... Um, I don't, I, I've had time to think about it and, you know, I'm still worried about the offensive line and that could be a problem, but yeah, I still think we're the class of the East. I still think our defense is by far the best in the East. Maybe, maybe, you know, on paper right now, it's best in the league. So yeah, I, I don't think we're a last place team by any stretch. So before we stop talking about the tabbies, is there anyone out there still available, whether it's at a position you think we need someone at, whether it's just a, a guy you'd like to see in Hamilton that you think the t- team should still pursue? Because there's still an awful lot of really good free agents out there. Is there anyone that you can think of off the top of your head that's a guy that you would like to see them sign? Well, there's one guy that, uh, you know, I wanted to bring out left tackle, Riker Matthews, but it sounds like he's retiring. So uh, maybe like, like a veteran wide receiver or a veteran receiver, but even that, like I just... I don't see it necessary to bring in anyone else, really. Um, if they want to bring in someone um, for depth along the offensive line, I'm all for it. But as far as the starters go, like I'm comfortable with the receivers we have. I yep, think we same. have a, a young group. I think Braylon Addison's going to lead the way. He's going to be the number one guy. And uh, you know, with all the young talent we have there, I think we're fine. We brought in a, a Canadian guy like uh, Lamar Lamar Durant, who I really like. I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, so I think I think we're set up pretty good. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. Maybe they go after, if it was me, maybe you sign someone like Cordero Law. You know, maybe he could be, you have kind of him and J.R. Tavai kind of battle out in camp to see mm-hmm. who's going to be the starting defensive end. Other than that, I, I'm kind of, with the only other thing I can think of is go get Sergio Castillo. The dude was pretty oh, much the MVP yeah, so of the. Yeah, a kicker. That's the only thing I can think of. He's still He's still available. I don't like his floppy kicks, though. <laughs> but he's good. No. no, he's good. If he was on my team, I wouldn't give a shit. He, he should have been that. the MVP. He should have been Grey Cup MVP. He mm-hmm. was the reason the yeah. Bombers won that I game. Mean, the guy can put it through the upright, so yeah. yeah it would you, be great to have him back. You don't um, worry about him when he gets out there, so no, go spend the money and bring him in. That's that. Those would be the only two things. Maybe you grab a, a veteran at rush end and you go get Castillo unless Hyrule who wants to come back but I feel like he's going to still try to make the NFL thing happen which mm-hmm. he absolutely should Castillo I think is is settled into being a CFL kicker and when you don't have a kicker I don't care how many Dante Brown I think is the guy that everyone keeps talking about I don't care about any no-name Canadian kickers go and get the best yeah. and I mean I saw someone tweet I don't know if it was I think it was to you on I think it was our uh, the podcast account that we got to a gray cup without a kicker I don't mm-hmm. want to have to go through that again. <laughs> I don't want to have to go through the ups and downs of not knowing if a kick's going to go through the uprights or not. Right. And we had a punter who shanked three kicks in the Grey Cup. In the, three exactly. punts in the Grey Cup. So, I mean, that, that that's a big deal. I mean, that, to switch the field position like that is just yeah. not good for the team. So, um, maybe, uh, what is it, Dante Brown? Is that what yeah. His name? Yeah, I think it was maybe Dante he's Brown. Great. He could be outstanding, but he could be terrible. So, I just want to know... That we ha- if we have to kick a field goal to win a game, um, I want to be confident in the guy that's going out there. So, yeah, it would be nice to get a guy like Castillo to come in and kick for the Ticats. All right. We got to talk about what happened in the rest of the league in free agency. 
I wanted to break this down as to kind of who did you, whose moves did you like, whose didn't you like. Ottawa, we got. I think we got to talk about them just on their own because they did so much to completely revamp that team. Are you high on Ottawa, or are you still? Is the jury still out for you? Jury's still out for me uh, on Ottawa. I, you know, I, I thought I think they brought in a lot of talented guys, and I think that they're better than they were. But when you bring in a mishmash of guys like that, you know, no depend. You know, it doesn't matter how talented they are, how many all stars. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work, right? We talked about this year after year on this show. You know, Toronto did it, has done it. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So we'll see. But um, I do like the way that they're going uh, in Ottawa. I think that they're obviously in better hands than that what they were uh, last year and the previous years. They added a lot of veterans, but they added a lot of guys. Like, they added some guys that I'm like, you, they had to get Mazzoli because they had to get the quarterback situation figured out. So that was, to me, an, like, him going there. It was, it was Again, we, I think we talked about last week. It was down between Edmonton and Ottawa where he went. Them getting him, that makes all the sense in the world. They bring in William Powell, fan favorite. But he's 34. That's kind of old. You bring in Jalen Acklin, probably hoping he's going to be your number one receiver. Is he a guy that's going to be a number one receiver? I don't know. Darvin Adams kind of fell out of the favor in Winnipeg over the last season. Is he a guy that you can depend on? I mean, I, I lost a lot of money betting on Darvin Adam prop bets uh, last season, thinking he'd be over three catches in a game, and it never freaking happened. Um, I, I, I think they, they made some change on the offensive line that got them better. Uh, I, I think they, made, they brought some defensive guys in. I think them getting Patrick Levels is good for them. Uh, Kwaku Botang going to Ottawa hurt my yeah, heart because I, yeah, that's a good one. Oh man. I thought for sure he was coming to Hamilton. Yeah. Um, I like what they did, but at the same time, you mentioned it. It's a mishmash of guys. They got a gel and we've seen time and time again, you mentioned the arrows. The Ticats did this for all those terrible years in the mid two thousands. They would go out and they'd make a splash in free agency. We got Casey printers. We got Jason Moss. We signed Chris Brazel. We brought in Josh Ronick. Like they would bring in these big names after big names that have had so much success, and they'd win five games. And it was yeah. rinse repeat. Speaking of Casey Printers, yes, <laughs> I was watching the ESPN Classic the other day, and they had CFL Classics on. Right, and it was a game between Hamilton and Montreal with the Casey Printers era. And I'm like, oh, it's a CFL Classic game. This must be like the Montreal was up big. I'm like, oh, they're going to come back. Like I don't remember this game. Nope. It's just a big blowout. Like, what the hell? What kind of classic this is that? Classic? What are you doing to me? You know? And Casey Printers was terrible. Yeah, so that was not a fun era. No, it was not. And I think Ottawa's a I think Ottawa like I think the East in general is more interesting now than it was a week ago. I think Ottawa is going to be more competitive. I don't know if they're gonna win double digit games and make the playoffs, but I think they're gonna be more competitive. Um, and then we can go to Toronto, and they bring in Jagari Davis, which I think is a great signing. The Andrew Harris thing, though, mm. I don't love this move. I think I I said a week ago that if the Bombers brought him back, I thought it would be to me it would show a crack in Winnipeg's thinking. They don't bring him back. He signs in Toronto. Toronto had some pretty good running backs last year in John White and DJ Foster. DJ Foster was really good, I thought. Yeah, especially in, in the run and the pass game. Like, I yeah. thought he could be a really good weapon for them. You bring in Andrew Harris, you're going to start Andrew Harris. This feels like 
the Bombers got rid of him at the exact right time. He's going to go to Toronto, and he's not going to live up to the expectations that I think Argo fans are going to have. I don't love this move. No, he's 34 years old. 34. I mean, and we were just talking about William Powell. You know, and he wasn't there. great last year. Let's not act no. like he, he missed time due to injury. He admitted himself that he came into the into the season out of shape. He 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 didn't look. His apex was that Grey Cup game in 2019. If he would have gone out on that, we would think of him as maybe the greatest Canadian running back of all time. Mm-hmm. And I do believe. Although he did have a pretty good game in the playoffs against Calgary. I will say that. Yeah, that's he's and but that's the thing. He's good for a game or two here or there. But he's not expected yeah. to go into Toronto and have, oh, man, he's going to have a great game in week three and then a great game in week 15. They want him to be the bell cow back. I don't care if they, they come out and say otherwise. You're not signing Andrew Harris. You're not having the big press conference. You're not making the big deal out of it. You're not having Pinball come out and say he's the greatest Canadian running back of all time and the best running back in the CFL today, which is a complete crock. They're both debatable. Absolutely they are. Of course they are. And I don't think he's either of those things. Um but you don't do all that and then have him be a role player. He's expected to be a 20-touch-a-game guy. And I don't know if at 34, with his body breaking down, with him I probably not being on the juice anymore, I don't know if he can be that guy. And, you know, uh, probably a not as good offensive line in Toronto. Yep. Um, the only thing that I can see is that, you know, it, it gives him flexibility with the ratio. And he's probably still a pretty decent pass blocker. But he's not going to be the guy that he was in his prime. Like he's just not going to, and he's not going to sell tickets either. Like I saw that no, no, idea that... floated out there. That <laughs> oh, good God! Maybe this will, re, you know, bring some interest. I, I wish it would, but I, it, it's just not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just uh, the Argonauts bringing in another big name just because he's a big name. Yeah, but the Jaguar Davis signing home run. Not going to. Oh yeah. Not going to shit talk that. No. Nope. But a lot of people, and this isn't really a free agent signing. This, the Chad Kelly stuff in the last couple of days, though. Yeah, who gives a crap? I mean, he's nephew. He's Jim Kelly's nephew. Whoopie woo! And he he played in the NFL, and he went to big time college programs. He was at Clemson, I think, and then I know he finished his career at Ole Miss. Uh-huh. And he was a talented college player. But he, it, this this feels like the junior version of Johnny Manziel because he's out of the NFL because of of prop like attitudinal problems and being a knucklehead. Like, I think he broke oh, okay. into... He, I don't know much about him at all. I really he's, don't. He's been a knucklehead. He's a talented okay. player. He was really good in college. My dad's a Bills fan. Loves Jim Kelly. Chad Kelly was his... My dad actually texted me today and said, Chad Kelly signed with the Argo. So, like, he's... Ex- because it's Jim Kelly's nephew. Right. He's a good player. He's not going to... Like, the amount of hype that this guy is getting, the amount of talk that he's getting, even us talking about it, is too much. I don't yeah. even know if he'll be on the team when the season starts or if no. he'll even be in the league at the end of the year. So, I don't know. It's just another one of those things where they, I think we try to build up stuff. That's... Well, it's like Duck Hodges last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no one's going to be talking about Duck Hodges this year. You know why? Because the Red Blacks went out and got a legitimate quarterback, and they'll use the other spot with Caleb Evans if they're smart because you develop a guy behind Mazzoli. Mazzoli's in his 30s, signed a two-year deal. You don't know how much longer he's going to play. You develop a young 25-year-old behind him, not someone who flamed out in the NFL. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. The the Argos, I know a lot of people are high on what the Argos have done. I think because, again, getting Jagger Davis, absolutely fantastic. They did make some good moves. Deshaun Amos is a good player. Marquis Thambles is a good player. 
But I think people are, are focusing A, too much on Chad Kelly, and B, putting way too much stock in the Andrew Harris signing. I don't think the Argos are significantly better than they were before free agency opened. That's just my no. opinion. Yeah, and they brought back McLeod Bethel-Thompson, and yep. he's done some good things in this league, but he's done some bad things too. It's like he's an up-and-down type of player, as we've talked about many times. Um, so I, I just don't think you can depend on him to be your your quarterback for every single game. It's just they're, they, they're a good team. I think they'll be okay, but uh, I don't think they're going to be leading the East again this year. Yeah, I agree with on that. Montreal didn't really do a whole heck of a lot, but they brought back Trevor Harris. And I don't understand it. Insurance for Vernon Adams, I guess. But you know, he, he was just, at last uh, year, and what, how good was he? Not very good. Yeah, we watched not him. Very good. Remember the East um, semifinal? He was terrible. That he was thrown into a situation where you know he was thrown into the Alouette's starting quarterback near the end of the season. Didn't have much time to gel. I don't know. I, I, I'm not high on Trevor Harris. So I mean, if he's a backup, then I guess it's a good move. But otherwise. I don't think so. And Ticat fans who wanted Trevor Harris to be brought in here, no what? thank you. No. What? I, I heard, didn't see that. I've seen a little bit of that. Okay. And I was talking to someone about this, and I, 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 I'd like to gauge your thoughts on this. We have had in Hamilton, since Zach Caleros got hurt, essentially a quarterback controversy every single season. In 2016, it was Mazzoli starts the season, looks really good, Caleros comes back, but the, and then... Caleros didn't look great, and there was always people thinking, like, maybe they should go back to Mazzoli. And they had to for a couple of games when Caleros got hurt that season. And there was a, it, it kind of, it wasn't an actual controversy, but you could see it kind of simmering. Then 2017 happens, and we get off to the terrible start, and they make the quarterback change. That was, in and of itself, a quarterback controversy, even if it was one guy and then one guy. Then 2018, when Mazzoli has his great year, people maybe forget that was the Johnny Manziel year, and there were so many people when yep. they signed Manziel going, this guy is going to be the starter. I was literally on Sportsnet Fan 590 debating someone about whether or not Johnny Manziel would ever see the field for the Ticats. And they were adamant that he was going to be the starter. And I said, there's no chance he's going to be the starter. He's mm-hmm. not good. He's not beating out Mazzoli. And then you have the Dane Evans stuff after Mazzoli gets hurt. And then we went into, obviously, last year with the controversy between the two of them. Not who's going to play, blah, 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 blah. This is the first year in maybe five seasons where you have a definitive number one. They went out and signed Matthew Schiltz, who I think is the perfect number two. He's a guy that can come in. If Dana, Lord hope it doesn't happen. Dane Mm -hmm. Evans gets hurt. Schiltz can come in, execute the offense and keep the team kind of treading water. Let's say, for example, type quarterback, right? Exactly. And it's not like, remember when David Watford came in last year and they had to completely retool the playbook. Like it was unwatchable offense they got lucky and won a couple of games, but it was not. You can't win that way. Sustain. You can't sustainably win in the in the league playing the way that they did with David Waffers, and they're barely throwing any passes. With Schiltz, you can still keep the offense relatively how it is, but he's he's good enough to play and keep you keep your head above water. But he's never going to be a guy that if Dane falters, people are going to be going. You got to go with 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 Schilt. You know what I mean? Yeah. You bring in yeah, Trevor Harris. Nice. The minute Dane Evans has a two interception game, there's morons in the stands going, you got to put Harrison. And I just want to avoid that. I just want to, and Harris isn't any good. I'm sorry, but he's, he's, we, did we forget the East semifinal where he had a complete meltdown and showed you exactly the player he is? So he was once a very good quarterback. Now he is what he is. He's a backup, but he's a backup that has had starting experience, started a great cup that you bring him in. 
Because it's going to happen in Montreal. Vernon Adams is going to play. He's going to have a poor outing. And there's going to be a lot of people in Montreal that are going to be calling for Harris to start over him. And I'm just, I just want to avoid that altogether. And I don't think that there's a considerable drop down between Trevor Harris and Matthew Schultz. That's my opinion. No, not at this point. Definitely not. I think Schultz showed a lot of good things last year. And uh, Trevor Harris did not. Um, so I, I think it's a great move to have Schultz as the backup. Um, I would not want Trevor Harris for many reasons. Um, some you listed with the controversy, you know, we talked about the QB controversy last year and we didn't think it was a huge deal because they were, you know, really good teammates and they just wanted to win. And it, you know, the fans, it was mostly just a fan driven type thing. And we saw what happened at the end of the year. Dane came in. That was the right choice, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just sick about sick of seeing it, sick of talking about it. So I'm glad that there's no QB controversy this season. So Winnipeg kind of followed the Calgary model and didn't do a whole heck of a lot in free agency, but they did bring in Greg Ellingson to replace Kenny Lawler, who we'll talk about in a minute going to Edmonton. Um, you still have the Bombers as the team to beat, or do you think that they took a little bit of a hit this offseason? Because they did lose some players. They kept a lot of their good players, but now they're paying them a little bit more money, which kind of depletes mm-hmm. their depth a little bit. I think you still got to consider them the, the favorite in the West, um, the favorite in the CFL. Just how they played the last couple seasons, the the pieces they brought back, especially on defense, um, bringing those two defensive ends back, Jefferson and Jeff Coat. I mean, that's huge. Those guys are unbelievably good. Um, the linebackers are so strong. I know they lost some guys in the secondary, but I think I think they'll be all right. Um, the offense is still pretty good. I think they brought back pretty much the whole offensive line. So, uh, yeah, I still consider them the favorite. What about the Riders? Did you like what the Riders did? Because they bring in. Darnell Sankey, they bring back Derek Moncrief. Like, I think, the again, the Riders were a pretty good team last year. Don't think they need a whole heck of a lot. I don't know if free agency would have solved their any sort of woes. They, they bring Duke Williams back, which I think will help their offense. I, I think with the Riders, free agency didn't really, won't give you a glimpse. We only know what the Riders are going to do when we see if Cody Fajardo is what he was in 2019 or what he was in 2021. Because if he is what he was in 2021, he's a middle-of-the-road quarterback getting paid to be a top-line one, and that can can sink you pretty quickly yeah he was up and down last year wasn't he uh yeah i think he was really good at the start of the season and then it kind of fell off a little bit um yeah i don't think the moves that they make are gonna give away anything about next season for them but i think it all hinges on how cody Vajardo plays because i think i think he has the weapons around them i think he'll have good protection um it's just uh, all about how he performs yeah, and it's the same in Calgary, right? Like, they never do yeah. anything in free agency. Sean Lemon, DJ LaLama, re-signing Charlie Power and bringing Ellie Buka. Like, you can't, you never really get, I, I feel bad for anyone who covers the Stampeders because there sure isn't a heck of a lot to talk about when free agency opens because they don't really do anything. But yet, there they are at the end of the year, making the playoffs. Like, obviously, they had a down year last year, so there's there's question marks there. But can you really look at what the Stamps do, considering how good they've been over the last decade and a half, and really find fault with anything? No. Not really. I, the the question mark with the stamps is the quarterback as well. I mean, is Bo still Bo Levi Mitchell? Is he, is he that guy that he was in his prime? And there's a lot of question marks there. And they brought in uh, they brought back Jake Mayer. So the you know there's a little bit of a QB controversy brewing in Calgary. So I think they'll be a strong team, uh, but I don't think they'll be the class of the West like they have been the last you know fifteen twenty years it seems. 
the Elks made a ton of moves, but the big one, the headline grabber, is $300,000 for Kenny Lawler. What did you make of that? Kenny Lawler. You know, he, he led the league in receiving last year, right? He was, was he the leading yep. guy? Yeah. So obviously he's a talented receiver, um, but that's a lot of money for, for a receiver, for anyone in the CFL if you're not a quarterback. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, I love to see guys get paid like that. But And I think people took offense to people saying that, but it's just, you know, we're looking at the salary cap. Like we're not mm-hmm. saying that, you know, these guys shouldn't get paid that much, but when, when there's a salary cap and um, you're paying that guy, a guy that, yes, led the league in receiving last year, but, you know, I'm not sure that he's proven that he's the best in the league or anything like that. So that's a lot of money for one player. Yeah, and I think that's a, I, I you mentioned it. The people getting offended by people saying he's not worth three hundred thousand. He's worth whatever a team will pay him. But whether or not he can live up to that, and we do this in all sports. Like this is not just a CFL thing. Like yeah, I'm with you. I want guys to get paid as much as possible. But we do this when we know contracts in sports, and especially in football, with a hard salary cap. And in the CFL, it's a little less hard because you can go over it and just get fined and and have penalties and what have you. But most teams tend to operate at or under the salary cap, it's about allocation of funds. And when you're spending $300,000 on one player, you're kind of hamstringing the rest of your roster sometimes. And and we see that when we talk about guys, especially guys in free agency in the NFL when they sign. And it's like, you gave that guy how much? And I think it's no different here. I think he's a good player, but like you, he's being paid to be the best receiver in the CFL. And I don't think he's the best receiver in the CFL. I don't know who is. I don't know if right now, with the fall of Brandon Banks, if there is a dominant best receiver in the CFL, because the guys are getting paid like it. Duke Williams could be, but we only saw a little bit of him last year in Saskatchewan, and before that he spent a number of years with the Bills. So it's been a while since we've seen Duke Williams at his peak. Um, Brian Burnham seems like he's on the other side of his career. I still think he's a hell of a receiver. Could if he, And he could... Surprise me, Golden League League in receiving yards. But like it's it's Lawler and it's Duke Williams and it's Lucky like is Lucky Whitehead a guy that you think oh he's the best receiver in the CFL because he's being paid like one of the best receivers in the CFL he's like the most explosive and exciting perhaps but I don't know if he's the best is who would you say because to me I'm having a hard time coming up with who I would think I I think I'd say Burnham but I even that feels wrong because I don't know if he's still apex. Brian Burnham. Right. Like, I don't know who the best receiver is, but I do know whoever it is probably shouldn't be making, you know, a third of a million dollars a year. No, I think the best receiver in the league is James Wilder Jr. <laughs> well done. Well done. Is it Braylon Addison? I mean, I would, I would, I was going to throw his name out there. I know that, you know, other fans of other teams would not agree with us, but I think he's up there. When he's in there, I think he's the most, he's, he's productive, he's dependable. Um, he, he can, you know, make big plays. He's fast. I think he, he could be up there. I mean, maybe at the end of next season, he, he might be. Yeah. Is it, is it Jake Weineke? Like there's, I think oh. there's a lot of guys in the conversation, but I don't know if any of them, like with Burnham, with Banks over the last few years, like it was obvious, like this is the best. Yeah. I don't know if there's a guy right now that I would take head and shoulders about. There's a lot, I think a lot of good guys, like, like the top 10, I think is very fluid in who the best receivers are in the CFL. I don't know if I can tell you who the best one is. So to give one guy that much more than everybody else, I don't know, seems a little 
less than ideal. If you otherwise, though, I think I like what the Elks have been doing. Yep, in, uh, signing players and all that stuff. They're they're building a massive monster of an offensive line. Like mm-hmm. all the guys they've signed along the O line are just huge. So um, obviously, I'm going to like that. Um, but but yeah, three hundred thousand dollars for a receiver that you know has proved himself in this league, but hasn't been the best consistently over a couple years is a bit of a risk. And you look at the the other guys they signed, Ed Ganey, Toby Antigua, McConaughey Henry, Dion Lacey. They're Chris Jones guys. These they're are guys Chris that Jones. are familiar with Jones. So yep. he's definitely building the team in his image. And I think uh I think Edmonton could be if they get the we don't know about the quarterback situation there. If they get that figured out, I don't know, Edmonton could be a sneaky team to maybe sneak into the playoffs mm-hmm. as maybe the crossover team or maybe even knocking out yep. another team and, and I, I Again, I think Chris, they'll be competitive. Yeah, I think I don't think they're going to go winless at home this year. Let me put it that way. No, definitely not. Please don't. I mean, or, or at least if you do, you know, be entertaining, you know, a little bit because I, I have to go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Last team on the on the docket here to talk about the BC Lions. Uh, they made some overhauls here as well. They brought in some good Canadian players and David Menard and Matthew Betts. Uh, they obviously brought in Delvin Bro. Uh, they brought in Luchez Pierre to kind of shore up that defense and they doubled down on Canadian quarterbacks by bringing in Michael O'Connor. So again, you look at the teams that made the biggest splashes or maybe signed the most players. It was Ottawa. It was Edmonton. It was BC. What do they all have in common? Didn't make the playoffs last year. So mm-hmm. I think, but again, with BC, you look at the players they have and the players they added good players, but we're not going to know anything about them until we figure out if Nathan Rourke is a legitimate starting quarterback in yeah. the CFL. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I like what I saw out of Nathan Rourke last year. Uh, I thought he played well when he when he he got the chance, but you know it's gonna be it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be a step up from him from you know Ohio where he played in uh, in the NCAA, and the, I'm I'm hoping that they do well. I mean, this is a bold move by the BC Lions going with two Canadian start or not start two Canadian quarterbacks. So. Um, and Nathan Rourke has only played a couple games in this league, so Canadian American, you know, it's 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 a risk. But you know, they're on rookie contracts, so mm-hmm. they're going to save a lot of money at that position, and uh, they're going to put a lot of weapons around them. And, and I wish them all the best. Yeah, I think I saw somewhere like Rourke makes like eighty eight thousand or something this year, mm-hmm. and it goes yeah. up to like almost a hundred with like playtime incentives and. If you're paying a hundred grand for your quarterback, while everyone else is playing four, I mean, I guess that's why they were in on Kenny Lawler, even though they didn't want to go to three hundred, but they 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 tried to get him at like two fifty with a massive signing bonus. I guess that makes sense. Um, but and the thing is, and not to look at this negatively, and I'm actually surprised you didn't take this. We're kind of going to get the referendum now on Canadian quarterbacks. Like, I know it's not fair to put that on Rourke, but if he goes out and shits the bed, it's going to be kind of the all that stuff about you need to develop Canadian quarterbacks, you need to let Canadian quarterbacks play. As unfair it is to put it all on his shoulders, he's kind of now the poster boy for whether right. or not Canadian quarterbacks can play in the CFL. Because he's this isn't a Brandon Briggs situation. He is getting he sat behind Michael Riley last year. He was a draft pick. He was a high people have thought since he was at Ohio that he could play in this league. He's now going to get the opportunity to prove it. Kind of the ball's in his court now, and the whole Canadian quarterback thing kind of rests on his shoulders. It does, doesn't it? Because, you know, teams in this league are going to look at what happens, right? And mm-hmm. if if he falters, if if he's no good, um, I think it's going to be a long time before we we see another team take a chance 
on a Canadian quarterback. So um, I don't, I didn't, th- I didn't think I'd ever see it to be honest with you. I think uh, to, to to have a legit, you know, guy starting Canadian quarterback come into camp as the number one, I I, I just didn't think we'd ever see that day. But um, it's going to be interesting, interesting to watch, very interesting to watch. And Michael O'Connor is a guy that. Um, people were really high on too. I mean, he was in this in the NCAA plan, and then I think he came back to Canada to play yep. for UBC, if I'm correct. Yeah, and, he was he was at Penn um, State and then transferred back to UBC, and then won a Vanier yep. Cup, and then got drafted. So both, uh, you know, played at high levels in NCAA. Both are really talented guys, and uh, I hope it works out for them. So to kind of put a bow on this, which team do you think had the best? opening a free agency it is it, purely from a signing standpoint it, it's ottawa right yeah it has to be ottawa just you know that roster was so bad last year that you know you bring in some guys and, and they just they have to be better than what they were and I, th- I think they've made some smart decisions um you know bringing you know a number of tie cats um getting a starting quarterback like jeremiah mazzoli um i i think that they you know from a signing standpoint, they have won free agency so far. And yeah. they had to do that, right? They yeah. had to do that if they wanted to be competitive at all this season. Yeah, and even though I don't love their receivers, that the guys that they brought in, that's a massive upgrade to their yeah. receiving core last year who was maybe one of the worst receiving groups I've ever seen in the CFL. Like It was so devoid of talent that I felt bad for their quarterbacks. So, yeah, I think it's it's kind of got to be Ottawa. Is there a team, and I hate to say that we had the worst of free agency because it's like teams are in different spots. Like you would say, oh, well, Winnipeg didn't really do much, so they had it the worst. But they're the two-time defending champions, so can you really give them too much guff? Oh, Calgary didn't do anything. They have the worst, but this is what Calgary does. Like, Is there a team who you look at their signings and are just like, maybe you liked one or two of them, but the rest are just kind of going, I don't know about this. Uh, maybe Toronto. Yeah, okay. Um. You know the Andrew Harris signing. You know I'm sure they they're they're not paying you know a couple dollars for him. I'm sure it's a it's a healthy contract, not what he made at his peak, but uh, I'm sure he's not signing for peanuts. So um, I think that could backfire on them. Um, they brought back Chris Edwards, who was an All Star, but is a jackass. So and he's, he's going to miss the first six games of the season. Although right. we know we know how this we know how the CFL does this. They'll sweep it under the rug and just give him a fine, and he'll be back playing in Week One. But he's, as of right now, supposed to miss the first six games of the year. Right. Or he could go to arbitration or whatever. And yeah. Then and get could it, put it off. Yeah. And all that garbage. But yeah, if, you know, I don't, I don't hate um, what anyone really did, but if I had to pick, I'd probably go with the Argonauts. Yeah. I think with, with the Andrew Harris thing and they brought in Adrian Tracy and that's oh, like, yeah, that was, I did not get that at all. Actually, I forgot about that. And I remember seeing him saying that he's going to come back and like, he wasn't that good when he got cut. Out of yeah. Hamilton, right? I mean, like he's fine. He's a fine player, but again, it's another guy who's been out of the game for two years, and yeah, he he seemed to be on the downslope when he was playing last, and and like badmouth the CFL on Twitter for like three years, and then he signs back. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's what the players do. It's okay. I get it. I get it. I complain about my job too. So it's all. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just no one cares when we complain about yeah, our jobs. Exactly. Um, and I don't do it on a public forum. So. Because yeah, you deleted your Twitter account, you coward. Yeah. And now you just <laughs> use the podcast one. And people think it's me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I should clarify. Mike in brackets. <laughs> just as, I just if you're listening to this, just assume it's Mike. Just uh-huh. always assume it's Mike cuz he he's yeah. got the controls most of the time. If it's like overly negative and 
It's probably me. <laughs> yeah, if, it, if there's a lot of exclamation points and really happy, it's probably me. Yeah. If yeah, it's uh, if, if it's uh, run on oh, sentence. Yeah, and there's, if the grammar's terrible, that's <laughs> yeah. definitely me. I wasn't going <laughs> to say that because I didn't want to throw you under the bus, but... <laughs> When everyone asked me, it's like, did you? When everyone asked me, did on my old account? Like, did you tweet you this see or did grammatical Mike? errors? <laughs> it's <laughs> Mike. It's me. <laughs> yeah, people are like, was that you that tweeted that? I was like, was was it riddled with spelling errors? Because probably not. <laughs> but it is what it is. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. We have more interactions on there than we normally do because I sometimes forget that we even have it. I'm just like, I'm just tweeting out the show links, and then I'm just like, I got my yep. own stuff to worry about. I got my own trolls to deal with. I got to fight with well, Mike see, with Mike Jones. For I can get rid of my Twitter account now. I can build up this one. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, before we go, one last question for you about free agency: Is there anyone still available as we sit here a few days in that surprises you? Like. Brandon Banks is still unsigned, and he was very vocal. I saw in tweets, and I haven't seen him tweet in a while. I don't know. Maybe he deleted his account, or maybe it's just off social media for now. It said, because someone, someone, he was getting in a back and forth with fans because he, he likes to do that for some reason, and people were giving him grief, and someone was like, oh, you know, he, I'm not going to talk until I have a job. And they're like, oh, well, McDonald's is hired. And he goes, I got contracts that I could sign right now. I'm just... And he still hasn't signed. Like, are you surprised that, that someone like him, someone like Frankie Williams, Ricky Collins, like those guys haven't found mm-hmm. a home yet? Yeah, absolutely. Especially a guy like Brandon Banks. Um, you know, we saw it with Ricky Collins, I think, last year or the year before. It took a while from here for him to catch on, and I don't know what that's about. He's a he's a productive receiver, a very good receiver. Um, but, yeah, Brandon Banks is the biggest name that stands out to me that's not signed yet. I thought he would be signed, you know, pretty much immediately. Uh, but... I don't know what the deal. I don't know if he's putting it off or you know he doesn't have as many offers as he said he did. But it, it is kind of strange. Do you think the door is closed on him? Because we all thought Ottawa. We thought he's going to go with Mazzoli. He's going to Ottawa. Darvin Adams, R.J. Harris, Jalen Acklin, B.J. Cunningham, Shaq Johnson, Levi Noel. They have Nate Bahar still. Is there a spot in Ottawa for for Speedy B? Because I don't know. I, I don't know where he land. Is it Montreal? Because Montreal could probably use some. Did they lose BJ Cunningham? Like maybe. Like I'm not sure exactly where the landing spot for Banks is right now. No. When when he first got, you know, when they first broke up the Tie Cats and Brandon Banks, um, you know, my initial thoughts were either Ottawa because Burke, um, Edmonton because you know it just makes sense with the you know they signed some older receivers as well so. Um, you never know. And then Toronto, just because it's Toronto. Mm-hmm. And they love to take the Ticats players away, and they love to sign, you know, whoever they can, any big name they can. So um, I'm not sure if he fits in with Ottawa anymore. I'm sure they'd make room for him if they could bring him in. But uh, it is kind of strange that he's still out there because I thought that, you know, he would be signed up by now. I'm going to say it. I don't think it's going to happen. Could he come back to Hamilton? Like, is he out there and the offers just aren't there? And maybe they, he has a change of heart and him and the team can, I don't think it's going to happen. No. But is it, is it, is it, it's a possibility. Is, I was going to say, is it out of the realm of, of possibilities that he could be back? I thought maybe it might have been the, the, what they were, um, hyping up on Twitter. You know, how, when they, oh, when they said, Barbie. oh, yeah, yeah, yep. I thought it might have been Brandon Banks, but, I don't know, man. It just doesn't really make sense. You know, they make the video and they, you know, they make the big deal of them parting ways and um, to bring him back. I don't, I don't know. I just don't see it happening. It's I don't think so either. But you, you got to bring it up because yeah, he's yeah. out there and this I long. I, I wouldn't be upset if it happened either. No, and he's out there this long, and and 
there's no, not even any like with the with the you know the legal tampering period and the team saying like we are moving on from him. There hasn't been any anything. You know what I mean? Like we heard rumors of this guy and that guy, and then we said this guy. We saw you know Dunkster and 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 Farhan and Naylor and all the insiders are like this guy's agreed to terms, that guy's agreed to terms. Nary a peep about Brandon Banks, and I just it, it makes wonder. And it's the same with Frankie Williams. I'm really surprised that no one's gone after Frankie Williams because I don't think he's going to be back in Hamilton. I think there's just no room in the secondary. Yeah, he's a, he's a and guy that have uh, Poppy White as the returner. As a returner, so, so kind of yep. So yeah, it's we're, interesting. Yeah, I don't, there's still some names out there that are that are surprising, but obviously, I think you know a former MOP being uh, who so fa- famously had a, as you said, a breakup with his former team, still sitting out there. It seems uh, seems kind of strange. Although we say that now, we'll press stop on the recording, upload the mm-hmm. show, and 30 seconds later, he'll have signed with Saskatchewan or something. Yeah, hard to yeah. yeah, you really think it's wrong? so? If you, if you were to put your money on, you say the Argos. <sighs> Yeah, you know, I, I thought it would, would be Ottawa, but it just I just thought it would come together quick quicker than it has. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with the Argos, even right. though it makes me want to puke. I'll say the Owls. I think the Owls need okay. receiver help. Yep, that He's, makes sense. Him, I know he wasn't here very long, but he there's a somewhat of a relationship with Vernon Adams when he was here for a, a cup of coffee. Um, I think the need's there. I think he could actually really help Montreal. So, I'll say Montreal. You say Toronto. You, I mean, who knows? Well, I guess Either we'll way, find I won't out. be happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. That's true. Either way, yeah. it's, a, it's still a bummer. But uh, I mean, looking at the Tie Cats and what they did, I'm I'm still I'm still pretty high on them going into the season. So, free agency is always a fun time, though, right? Like it's it. Everyone thinks they their team's done enough to to make the Grey Cup to win the Grey Cup. So, I know a lot of people lament the uh, one year contracts and what have you, but uh, it allows things like what we saw with Ottawa completely revamping their roster and, and teams like Edmonton and BC getting a lot of good players in there. So it's not all bad from a competitive standpoint, even if as a fan you're like, I really wish guys would stick around longer or be signed longer so that you know you can get attached to them and whatnot. But uh, until they, they find a way to get some guarantees in those contracts, I think these one-year deals are, are here to stay. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it allows teams to retool really mm-hmm. quickly. So, I mean, that's that's one positive thing about it, but I get um, people don't like all the player movement. Yeah, and I don't like the fact that Ottawa looks like they might actually be competitive. I prefer when they're terrible because that makes me feel yeah. better about myself. Yeah, me too, me too. The fact that they've won a great cup before in, in, since uh, being back, yeah, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Uh, but so anyway, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, that kind of a wrap on free agency. So, I don't know. We're going to have to uh, now wait and see. We got the draft coming up, and then next thing you know, it's going to be training camp, and... Mm-hmm. The season will be here, and it'll be like, where did time go? So, uh, yep. it's it's uh, we're 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 in the the meat of the off season, but we'll be out of it before anyone realizes. So, uh, that was Podski for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat 'em raw. Eat 'em raw.